Is there a starting offensive lineman in the Washington Commanders NFL draft class? I've got that answer and more on today's episode of Locked on Commanders. Your daily podcast on the Washington Commanders. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome, Commanders fans, to the Locked On Commanders podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is your daily podcast covering the Washington Commanders, so please subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast. so you always have the latest op- episodes as they drop. I'm David Harrison, credential member of the media covering the Washington Commanders for Commander Country, a part of Sports Illustrated's Fan Nation. You can find me there, here, or on Twitter at dharrison82, or text me anytime at 202-760-2644. And now you can find Locked On Commanders and the entire Locked On Network on the SiriusXM app. Locked On and SiriusXM have partnered to make sure that you have access to the best locally focused coverage of the Commanders that you can get. And soon, you just might hear my voice on your favorite SiriusXM NFL shows. Thanks for making Locked On Commanders your first listen or view today and every day. And a special thank you to all my everydayers out there for coming through here five days a week with me all year long. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. BetterHelp connects you with a licensed therapist who can take you on that journey of self-discovery. Visit betterhelp.com slash locked on to get 10% off your first month. Did the Washington Commanders get any starting offensive linemen when they drafted Arkansas center Ricky Stromberg and Utah offensive tackle Braden Daniels? To find that answer, I turned to the tape so that you don't have to. Starting with Ricky Stromberg, the third-round pick, number 97 overall selection in this year's NFL draft. I watched multiple games uh, concerning Ricky, but I'm going to share two games or uh, notes with you, some overall notes of what I saw in Stromberg's game. Again, uh, subtexters, I'll be sending you guys the playlist of the games that we're going to go over in this episode. If you want to get in on that action, again, just text uh, 202-760-2644. Uh, to sign up for that, just like uh, all the others you have. And it's free for the first two weeks. So that's great stuff there. Uh, The first game we're going to talk about here specifically, week two, uh, all these games for Brayden Daniels and for Ricky Stromberg are 2022 uh, games, their most recent season completed in college football. So 2022, week two versus South Carolina, Arkansas Razorbacks going up against South Carolina Gamecocks. Ricky Stromberg, number 51, plays center for Arkansas. So if you're watching, uh, make sure that you're keeping an eye on our guy there. It can be hard to do sometimes because naturally, uh, especially as a football fan, you want to watch the ball. You want to see where the action is going. But in these studies, it's obviously uh, if you're going to study the player, you got to keep your eyes on the guy, right? So the reason I picked South Carolina was because I try to find games, especially if I'm if I can only do uh, a couple of games each guy in this episode, episodic formats. Uh, I want to make sure that I'm trying to get NFL talent on the field against them. And South Carolina defensive tackle Zach Pickens was drafted this last this last NFL draft by the Chicago Bears in the third round, first pick of the third round. So you have an NFL defensive tackle entering the NFL uh, defensive tackle on this tape uh, in this game against Ricky Stromberg. Now, PFF graded out Ricky uh, offensive grade overall 83.2, his pass blocking grade a 75.8 in his run blocking grade, a 77.4. Statistically, offensive linemen don't get a lot of stats, but statistically, PFF did record one pressure allowed by Stromberg in this game, and it was a hurry. So not a sack, not a quarterback hit, 
uh, just a quarterback hurry, which if you're going to give up pressure, that's probably the best kind of pressure uh, to give up is just a hurry, no contact with your quarterback, right? So some specific moments from this game. Uh, again, Arkansas versus South Carolina kind of stood out to me. The first one came with seven minutes and 50 seconds left in the first quarter. So if you're watching along, you can go to that moment uh, in the game. It's fourth and one, and the Arkansas Razorbacks are at the South Carolina two-yard line. Right now, nobody has scored. The game is still tied. Nothing, nothing. And they decide to come up under center uh, for a quarterback sneak. Now, if you watch these games, most of the time you see quarterback K.J. Jefferson in shotgun, right? That's kind of Arkansas's primary formation for their offense, and that's what you see them use mostly throughout these games and throughout the film. But here they come under center for what you expect to be a quarterback sneak, and that is indeed what the call is. Now, what's interesting here is that initially Ricky Stromberg actually gets stood up in his block. He actually doesn't gain any ground, and he gets stood up. Now, he doesn't get pushed backwards either, which – so there's there's three results, right, when you're blocking. You either move forward and gain ground, you stand your ground and lose and gain nothing, or you lose ground. The worst of them being losing ground, the best of them being gaining ground. So he gets stood up in his block, doesn't gain any ground initially, but he keeps churning, keeps plugging away, and that second effort, they get the first down – they get to they convert the fourth and one from the South Carolina two and two plays later, Ricky Stromberg is the lead blocker. What I mean by that is basically they're running behind him, uh, not really an a gap run either, like literally running right behind uh, the center's back and butt uh, to get into the end zone. So two key plays there: a fourth and one conversion quarterback sneak, where again the initial the initial rush to to try to gain the ground for the quarterback is stonewalled. It's met really well by the South Carolina defense, but that second effort pushes the pile, gets that yard they need for the first down, and then two plays later, they're punching it into the end zone uh, to take an early lead against the Gamecocks. The next play that really stood out, third and goal, South Carolina, one-yard line this time. They're already up 14-3. to three. There's eight minutes, 18 seconds left in the second quarter of this game, and on the snap of the ball, Ricky Stromberg completely clears out their, the South Carolina right defense tackle. The line then shifts down, and they push the defense out of the way, and the running back comes through. And if you go back and look at it, the running back is running right through where Ricky Stromberg was originally lined up. So it is absolutely imperative to this play design and to this play call that Ricky Stromberg starts the action by clearing his defensive tackle out of the way so the rest of the line has room to move their guys out of the way so the running back can get in there behind them uh, and score a touchdown. If Ricky Schaumburg doesn't clear out that defensive tackle, those other linemen can do their job all they want, but all they're going to do is create a hole, and that's where the run or a, a log jam, rather, and that's where the running back is going. He's just going to run into a crowd of bodies. There's nowhere for him to go after that, uh, and the play is dead before it ever even gets started. So two really solid blocking uh, moments for Ricky Schaumburg there, both of them in the run game. Uh, which is which is really good because that's what you're going to want for the Washington Commanders. And you're looking at the short yardage run game, the quarterback sneak, something that we didn't see, uh, I think, as much of as, as most of us probably want from Washington Commanders last year. Maybe this is kind of a sign that, they, that, that those types of things are going to at least be in play as options under the Eric Bieniemy offense this season. And then, again, the ability to not just make your blocks and, and hold your guy at the point of attack, but to actually just clear your guy out. Uh, there's that old famous quote about the best thing about being an offensive lineman is taking a grown man and moving him from point A to point B against his will. Ricky Stromberg in that first game showing the ability 
to certainly do that. Now, the next game that I watched, week five of 2022, uh, the Arkansas Razorbacks against the Alabama Crimson Tide. And in this game, Alabama had a young defensive lineman on the on their line, defensive tackle Byron Young, who ended up going to the Las Vegas Raiders in the third round again, seventh overall pick uh, in that third round. So we've got two third-round defensive tackles on this film study. Uh, Stromberg's grades for this game, a little bit lower, 63.7 overall, 69.4 pass blocking grade, and a 64 run blocking grade. Uh, his stats, he allowed two pressures in this game, both of them hurries. So again, no hits, uh, no quarterback sacks, which is always good, but he did allow an additional hurry uh, against the Alabama Crimson Tide. But, you know, let's be honest, the Alabama Crimson Tide is usually a better defense, right? Now, in this game, I've got multiple moments to kind of stand out. The first offensive play of the entire game for Arkansas, they're backed up on their own one-yard line. They run a quarterback sneak, and not only do they get a little bit of room, that offensive line gets about two to three yards of push, and they get out to about their own four- or five-yard line. Uh, the next play I've written down here, we actually go all the way to the third quarter, first and five on the Alabama 13. They're down 28-7, to seven, seven minutes, 55 seconds remaining uh, in the quarter. It's a run call running through the left side A-gap, so off of Ricky Schromberg's left shoulder. Alabama brings their Mike linebacker to cover over the center like a nose tackle. Schromberg engages the Mike linebacker, pushes him out of the way, opens and seals his gap, pushes the linebacker into uh, the crowd of, of uh, other defenders, disengages from that player, re-engages a second-level linebacker, uh, and the running back runs right through that gap uh, and benefits from those blocks in for a touchdown. Next play is a third and three on Alabama's 26-yard line. Now uh, Arkansas is down 28-14. There's five and a half minutes left in the third quarter. And again, we see an under-center quarterback sneak. And the quarterback sneaks right behind Stromberg. A four-yard push on third and three. They ran a quarterback sneak right behind Stromberg. And they get the first down. Uh, so that kind of shows you the kind of push that this young man can get first and goal on the Alabama four. Now we've got 25 seconds left in the third quarter. Arkansas is down 28 to 17 now. And again, they run right behind Stromberg. Stromberg leads the pile of Arkansas offensive linemen. There's a couple of them that kind of come in there with them. And those guys create a, just a bulldozer effect and push the Alabama defensive line into the end zone uh, and get the touchdown for their team. So a really good third quarter in that game for Arkansas. They end up losing that game to Alabama. But those plays kind of really indicative of what Ricky Schromberg is capable of doing. Overall, active feet. He's always looking for something to do. Rarely do you see him on the ground. He's quick off the line. He's got shotgun snap experience under the center. Uh, snap experience relied uh, on heavily under middle runs and quarterback sneaks. Lots of short yardage runs coming behind him. And he's really good at keeping his hands inside in that blocking motion. So a lot of good things to see from Ricky Schromberg. Really like that tape. But what about Braden Daniels? Well, that's coming up next on today's episode of Locked On Commanders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And today's episode of Locked On Commanders is brought to you by BetterHelp. It's so easy these days to get caught up in what everyone else needs from you and never take a moment to think about what you need for yourself. Therapy can give you the tools to find more balance in your life so you can keep supporting others without leaving yourself behind. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited for your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapist anytime you need to for no reason, no justification, no hearings, no additional charge. Find more balance with BetterHelp 
Visit BetterHelp.com slash locked on today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H E L P.com slash locked on. Thanks again for being a locked on commanders. Your first listen or review every day. Every day, we've got two more episodes coming this week, and we're looking at a film study of edge rusher KJ Henry and a schedule release episode. Uh, as well this week to wrap up the week. And then Friday, I'll be out in Ashburn for rookie minicamp, and we'll have thoughts for you next week on that, starting with Monday's episode. But for now, we're going to turn to Braden Daniels, the number 118th overall pick in the 2023 NFL draft out of Utah, who played left tackle for the Utes, but is likely going to move inside to guard for the commanders. In fact, uh, when we talked to uh, Braden, the commanders essentially introduced him as guard Braden Daniels, and obviously there were other comments about it as well. So looking on or turning on the Utah tape uh, to watch Braden Daniels, first game that I watched week five versus Oregon State. Uh, according to PFF, Braden graded out 61.8 overall, 82.1 pass blocking grade, which is great, 51.9 run blocking grade, uh, grade which is less great, and uh, statistically zero pressures allowed. So no hurries, no hits, no sacks, zero pressures allowed. Uh, in this game, again, playing left tackle. So there's not a lot of specific moments in this game. He's a left tackle. They don't really run behind him a whole lot, but there are some observations that I was able to make during the course of the game. Not a lot of pulling from the left tackle spot. And look, some offenses, some schemes just don't really use it. It doesn't mean that he doesn't have that ability, but you just kind of notice there's not a whole lot of pulling from that left tackle spot uh, over to the right side or even sprinting out to the left side on a wide uh, sweeper wide type of type of run uh, some down blocking you see from Braden usually if you see him moving uh, you know outside of kind of his gap assignment into a different gap assignment it's it's a down block where he's he's kind of collapsing down with the guard or double teaming a guy or just the line is trying to shift uh, down the down the line of scrimmage to his right uh, the size advantage is clear and obvious I remember watching Dewan Jones or Dewan Jones uh, the right tackle out of Ohio State down at the Senior Bowl in Mobile this year. And, I mean, that dude just stands out on the field because of how big he is. And, and Brayden Daniels, not the same uh, type of behemoth human being, but you can see the size advantage when you turn on the tape. It is clear and obvious. He knows how to use it, and he uses it very, very well. Now, not everything is great here. Not everything is perfect. Appears to get lost at times uh, when he's working to the second level of the defense, especially in run fits you know, or run plays. Uh, will get off his first block, or if he'll, he'll hit a gap sometimes, there's not a defender there. He almost kind of looks like he doesn't necessarily know exactly what to do uh, or how to find another defender to put a hat on. Um, and that's obviously something that you want to fix, something that I saw multiple times during this first game again against Oregon State. Very solid in pass pro, which you can tell by the grade. Very good base, and he's able to really t- turn it down, anchor down versus bull rushes. Every once in a while, you see somebody get inside of him, he gets knocked back a couple of steps, but you also see him put those cleats in the ground and really hold up uh, and keep keep that pass rusher from making any more ground on him. Uh, so very good reactions there. He gets his hands caught outside uh, quite a few times, and that could be a part of that size deficiency. Like he's so much bigger than people, it might be harder for him uh, to get his hands inside people. So hopefully at the NFL level, DNs and, and, and outside linebackers tend to be a little bit bigger than guys in college. Uh, so maybe that won't be as big of an issue, but those hands are violent. They're, he's got a strong first, second, and third punch when he needs it. I remember one exact rep. I uh, saw so him coming off of an or coming up against an edge rusher, and he pushed out, hit the dude with a violent punch, 
uh, knock the guy's shoulders back. And, you know, visibly you could see the the DN or the outside linebacker get pushed back. Guy kept coming, boom, hit him again, boom, hit him a third time, and every single time it was very impactful. And obviously, no hurries in this game, so it did not impact his quarterback. Um, not as fast as off the offensive line as you would maybe want in your offensive lineman, but again, uh, a mammoth kind of human being. You almost look at those guys like like a Shaquille O'Neal type, and you kind of say or kind of have to expect a little bit of a slower gait uh, to those kind of guys. So that's kind of what I saw in that first game against Week Five versus Oregon State. Now for his second game, I turned on the Rose Bowl game, which is his final collegiate game in his career. This one against Penn State, and here he grades a little bit better overall. I think uh, 61.2, actually about the same. Uh, pass blocking, he's got a 79 grade, which is a little bit lower, but his run blocking grade goes up a little bit to a 52.8. Now, against better competition, he did allow five pressures in this game, four hurries, one hit on the quarterback, and he did commit uh, one enforced penalty. Uh, so the differences between this game and the first game, there is an improved effort and ability getting to the second level. So you see a little bit of a difference from week five to the Rose Bowl in his not only his effort getting to the second level, getting to a second level defender, but also his ability to navigate through the trash and find a guy to put a hat on. Um, he was not used on the edge on left end runs. And that's something I kind of mentioned earlier, not a polling guy, not a guy that they even kicked outside and, uh, you know, pushed out on edge runs. Uh, they ran a specific end around play. Uh, the, the Utah uh, offense did. And in that play, they actually added two additional eligible receivers as tight ends uh, that were offensive linemen. So essentially sandwich Braden Daniels inside the offensive line there. He was a down blocker combined with his guard to seal off the defensive line back in pursuit. And the other two additional linemen were the ones who kicked outside to the left to block ahead of the edge run. So it kind of shows you uh, even at Utah where he's a tackle. Yeah, he's a tackle, but he's doing a lot of guard type of things, if that makes sense. Uh, still gets a little lost in space, you know, still times where if he's out in the open, he kind of doesn't look like exactly where he needs to go. And that's why I think, look, he's just going to operate best as a guard, which is why the commanders are putting him at guard. But if you turn on this tape and you watch it, you might be a little confused. You might be a little uh, kind of say, you know, like this guy kind of wanders around a little bit. But again, that's why you're moving him inside. Uh, his inability to navigate to the second level limits him as a run blocker. Uh, but again, you see that in the grades, right? The run blocking grade 52.8, pass blocking 70.9. He's just a massive dude who doesn't get pushed around very easily. That's going to help him in pass rushing and run blocking. He's still a massive dude, but he's got to basically just kind of learn uh, to navigate that. But again, we do see the improvements from the first game to the second game in his ability to seek and find opponents. Uh, so hopefully that continues to develop in the National Football League as well. And he just only gets better. Those are the reasons why the, the commanders already designate him as a guard. It makes all the sense in the world for Braden Daniels uh, to be a guard. There's less operating in open space when you're a guard, uh, less reading and reacting necessarily when you're a guard, more following your assignments. Second level up the middle is usually easier because if it's an outside run and Brain Daniels doesn't find a second level blocker to to engage, you should be all right. If it's an inside run and uh, Brain Daniels gets to the second level, there's going to be defenders there because they're trying to collapse on the inside run, right? So he's not going to have to find them. They'll find him. Then he just uses his size uh, and and aggression aggression uh, to to his benefit, right? So not relied on a second level blocker, not relied on as a perimeter blocker. All those things just kind of level you up to being a guard pass blocking strength is important for this interior offensive line though. So let's not undersell uh, that importance in Washington. Uh, they allowed a total of 13 sacks, 20 additional hits to the quarterback outside those sacks, 
just last season alone. That's just your interior offensive line, your guards, and your center. Total pressures allowed in 2022. According to PFF stat tracking, the commanders were the third most uh, quarterback pressured team. I don't know why you know, that's a weird way to say it, but they allowed the third most quarterback pressures in the NFL, 226. Only the Chargers and Vikings allowed more pressures to their quarterback, and 49% of Washington's came from their interior offensive line. 41% came from the tackles, which means the other 10% came from running backs, tight ends, uh, et cetera. So certainly up the middle, interior offensive line pressure, a problem for Washington last year. So you see why there was a focus on improving that part of the offensive line specifically, but also the entire offensive line. How does it all break down? Where do these guys fit in? That's the question I'm going to answer coming up next on today's episode of Locked On Commanders. So did Washington get any starting offensive linemen when they drafted Ricky Stromberg and Braden Daniels? And the answer to that as much as you're not going to like it, is really, truly, maybe. So if we look at the Washington Commanders offensive linemen, and we look at who it is that they have here, the starters that I have right now, and this is not necessarily for the entire season, right? This is the starters I'm projecting for the start of training camp. Uh, at left tackle, you got Charles Leno Jr., uh, the steady veteran, left guard, Andrew Norwell. Hang on a second, we'll come back to that. Center, Nick Gates, right guard, Sam Cosme, and right tackle, Andrew Wiley. Now, the tricky thing about this starting unit, right, is that pretty much all of these guys could play multiple positions. Like Sam Cosme, we already know, can play right tackle or right guard. He did it last year. He's done it, you know, uh, multiple times in his NFL career. Andrew Wiley can play pretty much anywhere on this line. Nick Gates has guard experience. Obviously, he wants to be a center. Charles Leno can even, you know, I'm confident he even play on the right side of things. And if there is a gap here for a guy like Ricky Stromberger, Brain Daniels to crack the starting lineup, it's that left guard spot with Andrew Norwell. And to me, it's Ricky Stromberg. So here I've got Ricky Stromberg listed as the backup center. Again, Arkansas, he was a center, and I think that's kind of where he's going to start. But remember, scheme versatility was something that was very, very big for the Washington Commanders. Brain Daniels I have listed in here as the backup left guard, along with Chris Paul. But I expect to probably see him. They might kick him out to tackle and give him some reps. So just let, let's just see what you look like uh, here with, with our guys. Or they might try him on the right side, uh, for all I know. Again, you know, scheme versatility is incredibly important here. But depending on how things go at rookie minicamp this weekend, depending on how things go in OTAs, Andrew Norwell has kind of been this, I don't want to say forgotten man, right? But there's just not been a lot of conversation coming from the organization about Andrew Norwell and his contributions moving forward and so that kind of gives me the feeling that his his spot is not really all that solidified and, and if we're being honest he, you know he's one of the one of the members of the offensive line last year that didn't do so hot for for parts of the season so you could see that position kind of being open for negotiation um so yeah so if so that's again this starting five charles leto andrew norwell nick gates sam cosme andrew wiley it's just kind of my right now starting five but i do believe especially after watching the tape i think ricky Stromberg has a lot of potential a lot of upside and i do believe that there is a possibility you see ricky Stromberg end up moving into that left guard position or i mean you could again you could see nick gates even move over to the left guard position uh there's a lot of different variations you can see from this offensive line but right now heading into it this is what i believe uh the depth chart to look like uh left tackle you also got drew hillman alex akambulu 
Brain Daniels, Chris Paul, I've got listed behind the left guard spot. Ricky Stromberg, Tyler Larson, Keaton Sutherland, I've got listed behind center. Keaton Sutherland's the guard center type, so you might be able to flip him uh, to a couple different positions. Right guard, Sam Cosme, Sadiq Charles, Aaron Montero, Nolan Laufenberg, right tackle, Andrew Wiley, Cornelius Lucas, and Trent Scott, who is kind of expected to be your uh, swing tackle there, Trent Scott is. So there's, you know, again, you could, you know, if you're sitting out there and you're like, no, nah, Keaton Sutherland's a guard. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I got you. So, you know, you can you put multiple multiple players in multiple spots here on this depth chart. And really, again, that's by design, right? That's on purpose. Like, it, it's it's okay to not, not be fully confident and say, like, this guy is going to play this spot all season long, you know, uh, with with the with the rotating offensive line that the commanders had last year, especially. It makes a lot of sense for them to go out there and get a lot of guys who can play multiple positions on their offensive line for them. So they can basically just shift and move and plug them in uh, as they want to. Again, I mean, you know, I put, you know, for example, you put Drew Hillman behind Charles Leno Jr., but if Charles Leno Jr. goes out, he's probably not the guy that's going to be starting as your left tackle. It's just, uh, again, it's just a place to put them. But I think the important part is really the starting five, which I'm confident. I think Charles Leno Jr., Nick Gates, Sam Cosme, Andrew Wiley, they're your starting four offensive linemen. Like those, that's four of your five starting offensive linemen. The question really is Andrew Norwell. And that answer, that's where this thing could go multiple different ways, right? I mean, you could put uh Brain Daniels in there, you uh, you put Ricky Stromberg in there, you could put Andrew Wiley in there and find a different right tackle out of here. Maybe Cornelius Lucas comes in or Trent Scott comes in, becomes a starting right tackle. Like again, there's a lot of different variations you could do with this Washington Commanders offensive line, but interesting. Tape studies, again, if you watch the Braden Daniels tape, just remember he's not going to be a left tackle for the commander. So when you're looking at him, yeah, we identify some of those things that he doesn't do so well to tackle, but that's why the commanders have him projected as a guard. And you got to try to almost transpose what you're watching into the guard position, which can be a little bit tricky. Uh, but then that Ricky Stromberg tape, I mean, I don't know. I liked it. I came away really impressed, really happy with the pick. Uh, so I think that you guys will too, especially a top 100 guy. Uh, that's what you want to see out of your guys and uh i thank you for joining me here for this tape study of ricky stromberg and Braden daniels thank you all for making locked on commanders your first listen or your first view every day for my everydayers again we've got kj henry's film study coming schedule release and reaction and then we're going to dive into this weekend's rookie mini camp coming up so plenty coming up in the next week or so and i thank you for being with me here every single day send in your questions if you have them via email to locked on commanders at gmail.com on Twitter at dharrison82 in the YouTube comments or text me anytime at 202-760-2644 via subtext. Signing off for today, I'm David Harrison, staff writer for Commander Country of Sports Illustrated's Fan Nation, credential member of the media covering your Washington Commanders. More importantly, hanging out with you five days a week to speak again. If you're out and about, please be safe, be kind to one another, and I'll see you right back here next time for another episode of Locked On Commanders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.